You're listening to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jared Smith. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jared Smith. Each episode, it's my job to engage with the brightest minds in higher ed and the broader world of marketing to bring you actionable insights you can use to level up your school's marketing and enrollment efforts. In this episode, we're talking with Chris Hardy, the Director of Web and Digital Marketing at Messiah College. Chris is a really sharp digital marketer, and we spend most of our time talking about how Messiah has effectively used their CRM to empower their marketing team. We talk about how the CRM has changed the way the marketing team interacts with other departments, specific challenges they encountered as they began rolling out larger volumes of personalized, automated communication, and towards the end, Chris shares some really smart tactics they've implemented on their website around personalization and how they gather leads. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Chris Hardy. Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so to kick things off, could you just give us uh, a little bit of background on Messiah College and your role there? Sure. So Messiah College is uh, located in central Pennsylvania. We're about 10 miles south of the state capital of Harrisburg. Um, We have around 3,400 students uh, on campus, and uh, around 600 of those students are um, part of our our graduate program. So it's a Definitely a, a growing campus. Uh, I really enjoy my job and, and love being a part of everything at Messiah College. Um, I am the director of web and digital marketing. So I oversee the, the public-facing website, messiah.edu. Also recently, uh, I took over kind of the, the strategy for our digital marketing efforts for our, our graduate and undergraduate programs. Uh, we do a considerable uh, amount of work there and spend a good bit of uh, money there as well. So uh, I oversee this, the strategy there. And more recently, um, within the, really the last year, um, I've begun to play more of a role with our CRM platform. We've migrated into uh, Slate CRM about two years ago. And as our, our graduate programs and undergrad programs have begun uh, moving into that platform, I've begun to play more of a, a role in just kind of how uh, we do our comm flow and how the, the CRM is integrated with our digital marketing initiatives. Awesome. So I would really love to dig into how the CRM has really kind of specifically empowered your digital marketing team and all those efforts you're doing there. Um, But I know it was just, you said it was two years ago that you rolled out the CRM. So I imagine the pre-CRM world is still fairly fresh in your mind. Could you kind of set the stage for us, talking from a digital marketing perspective, perhaps, or maybe a broader perspective, kind of what was that pre-CRM world like? What were kind of the main friction points that that you knew about and kind of dealt with frequently? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things moving to to a CRM really did for us was help us consolidate everything into one place. So when I think about pre-CRM, I just think about all those different pieces of technology and systems that we were using. You know, we had a lot of our RFI and visit forms uh, within our CMS platform that we use for our, our public-facing website. We had, you know, constant contact emails. We had other emails just going out through Outlook with MailMerge. We had an in-house application system. So we just had a lot of different data in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really hard for us to kind of manage all that. But I think another big piece of the puzzle, too, was just thinking through the, the user experience as well. You know, if someone did fill out a request for information, for example, 
their information really didn't make it into our, our student information system, you know, until that was manually exported. Um, and maybe that took a week or, you know, a few days. And then we then had to export that back out into constant contact to, you know, send out a, a welcome email from the admissions counselor. So while it wasn't efficient for us, it was also creating a lot of bottlenecks and problems with our prospective students. I can't believe you didn't want to keep going with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you and I have gone back and forth a little bit um, about how it's kind of unusual that the in your role as a digital marketer for Messiah, that you have kind of the level of access that you do to the CRM. And there's, there's a lot of buy-in about how the CRM can really empower the marketing activities you're doing. Um, I'm kind of curious at Messiah, what what made that possible at Messiah? What, what are kind of the conditions in place that really allowed your team to have the kind of access that it does? Yeah. So I think early on when we kind of began the CRM search process, the enrollment team, um, sharp group of folks really kind of understood that the, the CRM has been evolving a lot. You know, five years ago, it was a tool really just for sales or for admissions but now we see, you know, web analytic tools built into CRM platforms. We see marketing automation with our, our Comflow. So I, I think that was a really, it was good for them to acknowledge that and invite myself and my marketing colleagues to the table. And I kind of played that liaison role. So we were involved, when I say we, the, the marketing office at Messiah, were involved in that CRM sele- selection process early on. So we were able to speak into some of the different features and, and ask questions early on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that always kind of fascinates me is that, you know, early on when we're thinking about rolling out some some big piece of technology, you know, there's there's a lot of questions around features and how is this going to work and what fields are going to map to what and how are the integrations mm-hmm. going to go. But sometimes I think it can be easy to overlook sort of the the organizational impact, the more sort of dynamic that can happen you know, on teams or between departments and how the technology can, can subtly shift that. Now that you're a couple of years into your CRM world, have you found that kind of the dynamic either on your team or between departments has changed in any way? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. And if you look at the different types of communication we have with prospective students, um, specifically like print versus digital, at my institution, we figured print out a long time ago, how to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, the admissions team needs graphic designers, need the marketing team to kind of roll out those publications. But on the digital side, that was still kind of, we were still trying to figure that out. There really wasn't a, a clear connection point. So the CRM kind of played that bridging role um, where, hey, we have this new platform. We know that we have the ability to, to automate and communicate with prospective students. But now we need your help creating these email templates, um, writing copy, and thinking strategically about you know how we do this. So it really kind of helped us mimic what we've been doing on the print side on the digital side as well. Mm-hmm. And I'd be curious just if you can think back, how much of that did you really anticipate and you guys could see that kind of shift coming versus, hey, surprise, this is <laughs> our mindset needs to change. We didn't really anticipate this, but cool, pleasant surprise. Yeah, I think there was a, a fair amount of anticipation um, just mm-hmm. with the, the product demos and everyone kind of on that strategic team knowing we wanted to, to do some pretty serious marketing automation with our digital pieces, text messaging, mm-hmm. digital marketing. 
But I think what surprised us was just all the tools that the CRM kind of equipped us with that allowed us to do that. We keep going deeper and deeper with that. You know, we started with just automating, you know, the Comflow for inquiries. You know, now we're down into what about admitted students and what about students who've started their application but haven't actually submitted it and kind of getting into some of those really specific audience segments within our prospect pool. Yeah, that was kind of one question I had. You know, obviously, when you roll out a really big piece of technology like this, all of a sudden you have some capabilities that you didn't have before. And I was curious about your thought process as you kind of, as you all kind of thought about what do we prioritize first? Got a long wish list. What what needs to bubble to the top of that list? How how did that conversation go? And and kind of what was y'all's thinking around that? Yeah. So I think if you look at the prospective student funnel, you know, obviously it starts with, you, you know, your um, prospects or purchase names, um, inquiries, applicants, admits. Mm-hmm. I think we really wanted to start higher up on the funnel uh, just because that was much easier um, as far as, you know, the, the admissions counselors aren't communicating a lot with inquiries. There's not a lot of back and forth happening there. And I think one of the, the biggest things we've realized as we've automated communication um, is that that really increases um, the possibility of creating conflicts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if an admissions counselor is is chatting with an admitted student about, hey, I need you to fill out your FAFSA, and then they say, well, we'll fill it out next week, and then they get an automated m- email that's ghosted from that very admissions <laughs> counselor to say, hey, you know, click this tonight. Um, it, it can get confusing and frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I think starting at the top of the funnel um, where we could really push out a lot of information without having to worry about those conflicts made a lot of sense for us. That's a really interesting point you bring up. So uh, I did want to ask how you're kind of taking this top-down approach from the funnel. Were there any other strategies that you felt were really helpful in kind of de-conflicting once you have this enormously complex machine running? Is there anything else you guys did to kind of head that off or remediate as quickly as possible when it's happening? Yeah. So we've always tried to be very personalized in our communication. But what we found is, again, when we get down deeper in the funnel, um, you know, having an email that's automated, but ghosted from a specific admissions mm-hmm. counselor, like I said, we do have those conflicts. So to kind of mediate that, we're, we're doing more generic messages for admitted, admitted students. It might be, you know, from the office of undergrad admissions. Gotcha. Um, it might be more value proposition, you know, just, you know, keeping us top of mind. I and mean, then we're relying more on the uh, admissions team to, to be sending off those one-on-one uh, emails. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's still something that we're trying to figure out. We're only a year in on the undergrad side of the house. So that those conversations are evolving and we're learning you know, something new every day, really. Yeah, good stuff. I saw you present uh, Hi Ed Webb on this. You did a great, great presentation. And I'm really curious, how did the CRM sort of change the way you evaluate your day-to-day marketing activities? Because I know it brought a level of visibility that you had not had before into maybe what's working, how much something is really costing. Could you talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit? Yeah. So I think as far as digital marketing goes, and specifically on the undergrad side of the house, early on, five years ago or so, when I thought of digital marketing, my mind immediately went to lead generation. But I think what we're learning, especially with the tools in the CRM and us having the ability to pull out specific populations or groups of students, is that the CRM and digital marketing do a, an amazing job, you know, cultivating and nurturing leads that are already in in our um, mm-hmm. enrollment funnel. And if you think about it, you know, sophomores and juniors. And I think I looked earlier this week; we have almost ten thousand sophomores already 
have inquired to our, our institution. So there's a lot of them out there, but that's a, a really long life cycle. You know, the, a sophomore this, you know, this time of year, it's, they're going to be in that enrollment funnel for, you know, over two years. Mm-hmm. So having the ability not only to email them, but to, to target them on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat really brings a lot of value to the table. So for those that don't know, with the audience builder within Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat basically allows us to upload inquiries or in, anybody in our funnel and those um, systems or platforms match users that they have. And typically we see between a 60 and 70% match rate mm-hmm. for the people we have in our system versus the users on those platforms. So we're able to send out very targeted and specific messages to a prospective student, depending on whether they're an inquiry or someone who may have already been admitted to really kind of keep nudging them along and, and keeping us top of mind. Mm-hmm. And that type of digital marketing, the, uh, the retargeting or the targeting is pretty cheap and inexpensive. So it's not like we need you know, thousands of dollars a month to do that. So it's pretty affordable and it's, it's been very effective for us. So kind of thinking along those lines of personalization, I know you guys have also done some kind of advanced things with Google Tag Manager, mm-hmm. which I think is intriguing because I feel like Tag Manager, you know, is not the most intuitive piece of software to use, but there's a lot there yep. that you can tap into. And so I would love if you're going to talk about uh, some of that further personalization you've done on the website. And I don't know, we'll see if it's possible to explain this without good visuals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it, it's been a goal of mine. Um, I've been at Messiah College for about five years now to do a good bit of personalization on our website. And um, it started out with me looking at different personalization engines, um, you know, third-party mm-hmm. engines, you know, and then after, you know, my jaw dropped to the floor after seeing the price on some of those, I started exploring other options and Google Tag Manager is really just, there's, there's nothing too fancy about it. It's just a way to fire different scripts and mm-hmm. tracking pixels and tags. But we basically created a tag, which is just a fancy way of saying some, some JavaScript that writes a cookie that gives different values based on what page you've been to. So if you've been to an undergrad academic page, you know, you get a value of zero on that cookie. So the next time you go to our homepage, all the quick links and the, the imagery on the homepage is geared towards undergrad students. Mm-hmm. Another thing we do is with our digital marketing, we, we add a, um, a value in the query string. So basically Google Tag Manager is just listening for that value. Anytime a URL has that value in the, the query string, it fires another script that basically adds four different links to the bottom of the user's screen, um, you know, a visit, apply, chat and request for information. And then also after 60 seconds of being on the site, a, a light box pops up and really tries to nudge them. So that's something we, we felt uncomfortable pushing that to every user just because we have so many you know, current students, faculty and staff. But we know people clicking on our digital ads are you know, in that college search mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made sense for us to kind of push that a little bit more. So we, we were able to use Google Tag Manager as a a way to, to do some of that without spending a lot of money on a personalization engine. Right. And, and you guys have seen some pretty good results with that, right? I, I want to say at one point you had mentioned something like 30% of the folks, I think, that click on an ad end up clicking on that sort of additional like overlay that you put there. Is that yeah, I think it was actually 30% or it was, I think it was more like 34% of the people who requested information or converted gotcha. as a result of the ad 
did so because of that, um, the sticky bar at the bottom of the screen ah. or the light box. Gotcha. Uh, so people are definitely interacting with it. And it's just mm-hmm. a good reminder. I think um, we're kind of in this day of an age where information is so readily available on your website. Um, you know, a, a prospective student kind of some of the utilities lost in requesting information. It used to be, you know, where they had to request information to get more information. Uh, nowadays, mm-hmm. all the information needs on the website. Um, so it is good just to kind of keep poking them and uh, try to get their information um, so that we can start communicating with them. Yeah. And I know you guys also did some interesting stuff with your RFI form. Yeah. So we created some branches in there um, just because we, we wanted to be, we wanted the RFI form to be the least intimidating as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you go to some schools' websites and, you know, the RFI form feels more like an application form, you know, where they're asking all these crazy questions, you know, parents' names and email addresses. Um, but we really wanted to make it as simple as possible. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier uh, that we are spending a lot of money on, you know, Google search and Google display and Facebook, Instagram. Um, we we want to see the return on investment for that. So one of the big reasons we, we decided to really simplify the RFI is just to make it easy for those people that are coming from those mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think of somebody who's done a, you know, a Google search for private college in P- Pennsylvania or whatever, um, if they clicked on your ad, they've likely clicked on other people's ads as well. Um, and they're, they're probably just going from school to school. So we want to make it as, you know, least amount of work possible just to get their information. Um, so what we do is we, we have the, the fields that we consider necessary to effectively communicate with that prospective student. So that's really just first name, last name, email address, um, their start term and their high school. So with that, we, we can figure out what com flow, you know, are they a sophomore, junior, senior? Mm-hmm. Um, we know because of the high school, who their admissions counselor is, um, you know, we have their email address um, and we can communicate effectively, but we also have a, you know, question at the very bottom, you know, do you want to add more information basically? And that branches the form where you get a lot more fields. So if, if they are interested in providing more information, they can do that there. Um, that gives the admissions team a little bit more to, to dive into and sink their teeth into and evaluating these uh, prospective students. Mm-hmm. And did people actually opt into that? I mean, did they engage with that and volunteer more information very often? Or how does that break down? I was actually surprised that they do. The majority of people do click on the, the more information um, and, and add their at least their address. Um, and the way that we address that, we didn't just say, hey, do you want to provide more information? We said, you know, in an effort to provide you with, you know, higher quality print communication or whatever, um, you know, click here and add your address. So we're, we're kind of giving them a carrot, you know, at the end of the stick, you know, this is mm-hmm. why you should provide more information. But I think that our main goal there is when they land on that initial RFI page, they're not overwhelmed and they don't have to scroll the screen. You know, they can see that submit button, you know, right there. Yeah, just a, a really, really smart approach. So, okay, we're heading into 2019. Chris, what's kind of on your wish list now? Where are you guys headed? What are you trying to tackle? that's a high priority for you now. Yeah. So I think some of the things that we're looking at doing is um, connecting our our CRM data with some of our ad platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, So I mentioned earlier that we're using Slate CRM. So last year they rolled out um, basically an API connection between Slate and Facebook and Instagram, um, which is great. So anytime we have a prospective student fill out that RFI um, within, you know, three to six hours, they're receiving, you know, a Facebook ad specific to them being an inquiry 
and specific to their start term. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have that ability in, um, in Google and Snapchat, even though they do have some APIs. So we're probably going to custom build some of that so that we can pass some of this information back and forth. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, I guess, more on the digital marketing side. Um, I think we're always also trying to improve our, our digital communication flow, um, just with our emails. Um, there's so much that we're learning from the analytics, you know, what's working, what's not just looking at simple things like open rates and click rates, taking what we've learned there and, and producing more emails or maybe even pulling back some. Um, we're also learning a lot about, you know, the time of year and the specific types of emails that go out. So while on one side of the house, we're very focused on automation, um, but we also need to think about some of those batch emails that we're sending out. Mm-hmm. You know, when you know, the FAFSA deadline's coming up, you know, our different deadlines. Um, so just making sure we're, we're thinking um, about all that strategically. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, Chris, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your knowledge and the, the really cool things you're doing at Messiah. Um, if folks want to connect with you, find out more, say hi online, what are the, the best places to do that? Sure. I think Twitter is probably the best. Um, my, my Twitter handle is chrishardy83, and it's Chris with a K. That's a great place. So, yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. The Higher Ed Marketing Lab is produced by Echo Delta, a full service marketing firm dedicated to helping higher education institutions drive enrollment, increase yield, and capture donors' attention. For more information, visit echodelta.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, if you have questions, suggestions, episode ideas, or just want to reach out and say hi, drop us a line at podcast at echodelta.co. See you next time.